while back, there was a story about a young boy in Chicago who went up to a street Santa, yanked out his beard, and then let it go. So that beard sort of snapped back and hit Santa in the face, who in retaliation hurled the bell he was ringing at the boy. The boy ducked. The bell missed him, but hit another boy who was standing behind him. The father of the second boy was furious. He hit Santa, knocking him to the ground, and then he started to beat Santa up. A policeman was turning the corner, saw the whole thing happening, and that policeman started to hit that man with his nightstick. Santa finished up the night in jail, and two other people went to the hospital. So much for peace on earth and goodwill to all people. Now, I can't be sure, but I wonder if this is what the Apostle Paul had in mind when he composed what is arguably the most popular piece of literature the world has ever heard. Paul's writing here is so polished compared to the rest of the letter that he composed to the church in Corinth that some scholars think that Paul must have had this poem in a secret file that he wanted to pull out and use as a delightful detour just to lighten the mood. Because in this poem, he touches on all sources of conflict, speaking in tongues, prophecy, jealousy, self-promotion, and keeping score of old wrongs. He asks, how are you ever going to overcome these forces that are ripping you apart at the seams? How can you ever hope to survive as a community of faith? There's only one way. It's going to take extraordinary love and not some syrupy, sappy, soupy, plastic, Hollywood movie kind of love. Paul says that we must learn to love in a whole new way and with a whole new attitude. I'm finishing my sermon series this morning on the four loves, which is based on C.S. Lewis's classic book. And so I'd like for you to look with me at Paul's letter, specifically that piece in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, what is known as the great love chapter. You can follow along in the words in your bulletin or on the screen. Paul writing says this, If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know only in part, and we prophesy only in part. But when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. 
For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part, then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, and the greatest of these is love. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in a moment of prayer? Let us pray. Loving God, we thank you for gathering us together here this morning on this Sunday before Christmas. And we ask your blessing to be upon your word and the one who stands before you to proclaim it. May you illumine the pages of Scripture so that they leap off the page and into our lives and fill us with the light and life and love of Jesus Christ. For it is in his name that we pray. Amen. Kimberly uh, Kennedy is the author of a book called Left at the Altar. And she shares about her pain and healing from the breakup of an engagement that took place on what was to have been her wedding day. And she shares in the book that conditional love is notoriously fickle because most of us believe that the only hope we ever have of being loved is, is us spending time and some kind of endless campaign trying to make ourselves look more worth loving. Now, the word that the Apostle Paul uses in 1 Corinthians 13 is a different kind of love than what we've been talking about during this Advent season. Paul uses the word agape. Agape love is an unconditional love. It's my sermon title today. Agape love is selfless and sacrificial. Agape love puts the other person's needs first ahead of my own. It's the same kind of love with which God loves us. You see, you and I are loved by God, and that is the nature of God's character. You and I are loved by God because that is the nature of God's character. And believe me when I say this, there's not enough attractiveness in you and me to make God draw his love out of heaven and toward us, but we are loved anyway because God made a decision to love us. God made a decision to send his son down to us out of a sheer tenacious unwillingness to let us go kind of love. And so let me ask you a question that you can rattle around in your minds. Wouldn't our relationships be a lot better if we were to set aside our own needs and begin knocking ourselves out in order to meet someone else's needs? To love someone with that kind of love. See, agape love doesn't make a lot of sense at face value. It's illogical because it doesn't go out seeking value, but it goes out to bring value to that which it loves. For example, remember back in the day when your child would glom on to a doll or or a blanket or, or, or a teddy bear. Maybe it was something they got as a Christmas present. And of course, they were inseparable. Well, eventually, you know what happens. That doll or that blanket or that teddy bear becomes shabby and it begins to fall apart. It's it's, it's this grubby little germ factory. And the more you try to clean it up, the more scragglier it gets. Now, when you think about it, your child has toys far more valuable than that yucky doll, but none are as loved. 
And the logical thing to do is to admit that that doll has never been more than a bundle of rags, and now it's a bundle of dirty rags, and it probably belongs in the trash. But it's unthinkable for any parent who loves their child to do that because while some things are loved because they are valuable, other things are valuable because they are loved. And friends, God's agape love is that crazy, illogical love that that like a child has for, for, its, for its doll, for its rag doll. And even though you and I go through life and we make a big mess out of things, and, and in the words of the prophet Isaiah, our, our righteousness is as filthy rags in the depths of God's heart. You and I are loved beyond measure. You and I are loved beyond words. And so here we are on this fourth Sunday of Advent, God's ragdoll collection in desperate need of God's agape love. Presbyterian pastor uh, came to this country from Holland several years ago. And when he first came to the United States, he came across this word, A-G-A-P-E. And so he assumed it was pronounced the way it was spelled, agape, agape. And he didn't know what agape meant. And so he went to the dictionary to look it up. And it said, to stand with your mouth open. And this pastor said, that is still the best definition of God's love he has ever heard. God's love will leave you standing there with your mouth wide open. You see, while conditional love says, I love you because of, and then there's this long list of reasons, agape love says, I love you because I love you. And, 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 and not because of, but in spite of. I love you in spite of your temper when stuck in a long line at Costco. I love you in spite of the fact that you leave big globs of toothpaste in the sink. I love you in spite of the fact that the clothing in your closet look as if they're wrestling each other. I love you in spite of the fact that you don't look like the same person from our wedding picture 25 years ago. But as Lionel Richie sings, I do love you still. Well, the Apostle Paul then turns to talk about the practice of love in down-to-earth, rubber-meets-the-road terms. He says, love is patient, love is kind. And then comes this string of negatives as Paul puts his finger on those, uh, uh, those, those ways in which we use these terms as, as intimate warfare uh, weapons against others. Love does not envy, it does not boast, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Kind of like the exasperated husband who said to his wife, why do you keep bringing up the past? I thought you'd forgiven and forgotten me. And his wife said, oh, I have forgiven and forgotten you. I just don't want you to forget that I've forgiven and forgotten you. <laughs> Agape love keeps no record of wrongs. Instead, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. What is love? It is Romance become responsibility. It is sentiment become substance. Love is a man patiently waiting on one of those hard benches in the mall while his wife goes from store to store to store to shop and shop and shop. When a group of third graders were asked, what is love? As you can imagine, they got a wide range of answers. I think my favorite was from a little girl, eight years old, named Rebecca. 
She said, when my grandmother got arthritis, she couldn't bend over and paint her toenails anymore. Now my grandfather does it for her all the time, even though his hands have arthritis too. That's love. Agape love is practical. But it's not practical unless you can do it. See, God never demands from us what God does not empower within us. So if you want to take this command to love back to your home today, be sure that you take the power back with you to make it happen. And what is that? That is the indwelling presence of Jesus Christ. In fact, the fun thing for us to try here is to swap out the word love and let's insert the name Jesus in 1 Corinthians 13. Jesus is patient and kind. Jesus is not jealous or boastful. He's not arrogant or rude. Jesus bears all things. He believes all things. He hopes all things. Jesus endures all things. Jesus' love never ends. And so what you and I might find absolutely impossible by ourselves, Jesus can do in and through us. And friends, the love that Jesus calls to is that selfless, sacrificial, unconditional, agape kind of love. As I close, I want to share with you a love story. It started with a blind date, and it had some of those almost didn't happen moments as this young couple shared wedding vows in which they demonstrated their love for each other. And that included, as their life began as a married couple, joys and celebrations, but also, later on, a life-threatening disease. This is a story of deep faith. It carried this couple through dramatic changes in their life, but also new opportunities for spiritual growth. This is a story about Hubert and Margie Lathan. Hubert and Margie were members at Fellowship Presbyterian Church in Greensboro, North Carolina, while I was there. And I have to tell you that I witnessed with my own eyes Hubert loved Margie, Margie with that agape love as they endured trials they, they never could have imagined. You see, when they took their marriage vows 56 years ago, back in April of 1964, they spoke those words in sickness and in health, and I'm sure they rolled off their tongues very easily. And I bet neither of them on that day, their wedding day, ever thought what that might look like in their senior years. Margie was the daughter of a Baptist minister born in China to parents who were serving as missionaries. Her father performed their wedding ceremony, and they made their vows to love one another in sickness and in health, as long as they both shall live. Well, early in the 1990s, Margie began to have problems reasoning clearly. And, and so other physical symptoms also began to emerge. Her, her blood pressure shot up, and, and medical tests showed signs of a mild stroke. It was only much later, in 2007, that they learned what was really going on. Margie's symptoms were tied to Huntington's disease. If you know anything about Huntington's disease, it gradually moves into difficulties with bodily movement, cognitive function, and emotional control. It's kind of a cross between Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease, and there is no cure. And as Huntington's disease progresses, 
A person will experience slower reactions to questions, and, and there's even a delayed reaction in being able to recognize familiar faces. There's also unexplained anger, and, and other emotions emerge, like, like impatience when having to wait for something. Now, you tack on the inability to walk, stand still for an extended period of time, have your arms and legs work like they used to, and you can understand that this is a brutal, and I mean brutal, disease. But through it all, Hubert was Margie's faithful companion. And Margie loved Hubert all for his love as a, as a faithful companion and caregiver. You know, a lot of us, we don't think about getting sick when we're in our 30s or, or 40s because that happens to old people. It happens to our grandparents or, or to aunts and uncles or, or to distant relatives. And I suppose that in our, quote, disposable society, it would have been really easy for Hubert to look at that situation, to look at Margie's condition and say, I, I, I didn't sign up for something like that. I can tell you that in all my time at fellowship and ever since, I never heard him whisper that even one time. Hubert's love and care for Margie took very seriously those vows that they took, even if life didn't quite pan out as they had planned. Well, in the last few years when I was there, Hubert would bring Margie in a wheelchair to worship on Sunday morning and right to her favorite spot in the front pew. Now you know that she had to grow up a Baptist because no self-respecting Presbyterian would ever make a beeline to the front row, right? Margie had a beautiful singing voice. She had sung in choirs. She had a joy and a love for the grand old hymns of the church. Amazing grace, how great thou art. Great is thy faithfulness. Those familiar hymns, they, they penetrated that awful disease. It connected her to God. It connected her to the community of Fellowship Presbyterian. Well, just like you greet me at the end of the service and we come out and we shake hands or we bump elbows or we wave, Margie would come out and even in her weakened condition, even with that disease, she would grab onto my hand with this vice grip and not let go. Friends, that is a perfect example of God's agape love for you and me. It's a vice grip that will never, ever let us go. Margie died on September 26th. But her life in word and deed, coupled with Hubert's agape love for Margie, I think powerfully demonstrates what Paul is talking about here in 1 Corinthians 13. It's a lot easier to, to, to see love in action than it is for me to, to stand here and try to describe it to you. And maybe that's why Jesus said the love that comes out of people is going to tell others that you belong to me. And now faith Hope and love abide, these three. And friends, the greatest of these is, would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. Lord God, we know that in a world that is insecure and anxious and nervous, 
there's one thing that we can cling to, and that's your unconditional, transforming, ragdoll, agape love. It's a love that will not let us go. It's a love that keeps on loving despite the obstacles that we may put up against it or the events of life that are thrust upon us, as in Hubert and Margie Lathan's case. It's a love that loves not because of, but in spite of. It's a love that is more than a feeling, more than a good idea, but a love who is a person who came to us at Christmas, who lived and died and rose again, and now can live within us and can spread his love abroad in our hearts, yes, even this day. Oh God, we pray that you would help us to love others like you love us with that same kind of selfless, sacrificial, unconditional agape love. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.